0: Talking Tesla Talking Tesla. Tesla I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator Because they put rings on Elon It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm
1: Are you ready now?
0: Oh, I'm sure this is Matt
1: Tom? <laughs>
2: Robert?
0: Yeah
2: Well, alright fellas Well, that's
0: expected to drive a car without autopilot. So,
2: here's the deal. You know, I'm not a good parker, yeah. Tom. I'll be in the first to admit it. I yeah. just think that this is a car company that is run
0: by super geeks. All yeah, the
2: cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. Tesla. You
0: don't even Tesla. have Tesla. Yep, I remember that. You've got a Model X. I've seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I
3: wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. All right, here we go, everybody. Welcome to Donkey Tesla, number
0: 71. 70-
3: 71?
0: 71. Robert, Excellent.
3: you have a joke to, to kick off the day? Yeah, I'm ripping off either Amazon or Google. How do robots eat guacamole?
0: Hmm. How do robots eat guacamole? Wait, Mel, Mel. How do
3: robots eat guacamole? Do With have
0: computer any... chips? Oh! oh,
2: oh yeah, okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my name is uh, Mel, here's uh, Robert, that's Tom, but we've got some special guests for you. First of <laughs> we all, do. Uh, let's meet them. Hey, Google, who are you?
4: You are what you eat, so I guess I'm a whole lot of data and a little bit of pizza recipes.
2: Oh, that's so lame. Uh, Alexa, who are you?
4: I'm Alexa, and I'm designed around your voice. You can ask me to play music, answer questions, get the weather and sports scores, create to-do lists, and much more.
3: So that's the Amazon product. Hey, Siri, who are you? Hmm.
2: Just as you would expect from Siri. (laughs) No answer. Today, we're going to be talking with uh, Alexa and with the Google Home, and we're just going to bring them into the show and see how smart they are. Siri, I was going to do, because a number of people tweeted says, well, you should bring in Siri as well, but Siri is so stupid. I don't know if it's stupid. It's just lame.
0: Okay. It's lame. lame. or stupid. It's fine. I did notice one thing about Alexa. What's that? Much better microphone than Google
2: So I will tell you uh, hmm. The speaker on the Alexa is much better She has a
3: sexier voice
2: My opinion is By far Google is the smartest one hmm.
0: And so we'll decide at the end Who is the smartest of all of us Hey Google Can you uh, Bluetooth attach yourself to Alexa And use her speaker
4: Sorry I'm not sure how to help with that yet
0: hmm. Not so
2: yeah, exactly. Hey, Robert, you did something fun this weekend. Uh, talk to us. Tom was too lazy, and I don't like to get out of the house. Go. That is
0: that is a misrepresentation uh, of the situation. I wasn't too lazy. I didn't get in. Couldn't get in.
2: Whatever. Um,
0: were you there? I have no, alternate because facts. I couldn't get in. No. I didn't want. To, what am I going to go? Be like outside the fence? Like, oh, that looks like
3: fun. Actually, you know, it was pretty loose. I think that you could have. Uh, you know, put some black marker around your wrist. Just tape something black, like yeah. some electrical tape on and your I'd wrist, and then you'd be in.
0: Basics jail uh, right now. But where Ooh. were you?
3: Hello. I went to the Hyperloop pod competition weekend. So Friday, I drove down there because I'm lame and a geek, and I had to be put in my place. Yes. So I went down there. I drove up and down the Hyperloop. I took pictures. It was really cool because they've now got it all painted up. It looks really nice. I put out some of those on the tweet. I went to the finish line. I figured, whoa, this is going to be where everything is happening. But uh, pretty much nobody made it to the finish line. We'll talk about that in a second. And so then uh, I went and I parked and I walked over to where, you know, like three teams I think had their pods and they were, you know, doing their thing. At the end, uh, sorry, at the beginning of the Hyperloop, it was getting dark, and everybody's basically like starving, trying to mooch food. It was kind of sad, but exciting at the same time, mainly because everybody was working out all kinds of problems that I didn't understand, and the language that they were using made me feel like a total, like an idiot, and I was so out-geeked. I have not been that out-geeked, I think, in a long time. So I watched the
2: stream, this is the Hyperloop, uh, it was a competition, you had MIT, you had all these other people on there, and they're students and their professors, and I watched the stream, which was um, terrible.
0: Yeah. You know how SpaceX has got it down? Terrible in what sense? Like quality-wise, uh, or just like no,
2: content-wise? The, content-wise, there was just these huge, long hours and hours where people are setting up for their Hyperloop run, mm-hmm. and they just had sort of... Uh, video of the people in the stands, Mm. you know, with SpaceX, they basically just go to nothing when there's nothing going on. And then they jump back and they have smart, fun engineers start talking about, here's what's going on. Uh, They didn't do that. Mm. So, but I was thankful at least uh, that I saw one run, which was completely uh, lame. They have a lot of work to do. So they put them in the hyperloop and then they decompress the the chamber and then they sort of push it with uh, the SpaceX pushy, pushy thing. And then the little thing's supposed to see how far it goes and how
0: fast. Well, thank you for that. Really excellent technical explanation well, of what happened. That's as much as I could work the out what SpaceX was going on. pushy-pushy thing? Pushy there was thing? a SpaceX
2: pushy-pushy thing, and then there was a pod, and then I don't know if the pod was supposed to go by itself, but nobody got over about 100 kilometers an hour. It was a little bit lame. I was hoping for like 700 miles an hour and then for it to explode, frankly. <laughs> There's nobody no – people in there. You said that I didn't last want to see week. It. I wanted to
3: see it explode. You said you wanted to see explosions last week. I'm glad there were no explosions because, of course, people are watching this thinking, wow, this fifth mode of transportation, is this possibly going to ever actually happen? or is this?" Some, you know, rich billionaire tech dudes kind of dream thing. But the reality is that it's really complicated. And I went and I looked at all the different pods from all the different schools. There was even a pod from a high school. St. John's was a high school. I happen to work for St. John's Hospital. I have to kind of feel like I'm part of the team. But there were these kids, juniors in high school, who were designing and working out the systems. They used a uh, levitation system that was based on compressed air. People were using magnetic levitation. Others were just using good old, like, land speed tires. There was a lot of different variation. Some of them looked really cool. They put these really great like fairings over them, which didn't make any difference whatsoever because when they pull the pressure down in the tube, I think it was, I heard, 17 tor. So it was really exciting to see all the different tubes, how they all approached it. The reality is that everything up until this point has been on paper. They had not brought out any of the pods into any one space. So these teams were cross-pollinating, looking at each other's pods. They used all different kinds of systems to approach this method. The Japanese team made their pods so small that when they took it apart, it could fit in their luggage. How'd they get in the country? Yeah. They're not from one of them. They're, oh, not, they're not Muslims. I was confused. Yet. They're not Muslims, I don't think. But there could be. Among them. I didn't meet the whole team. Nevertheless, uh, you were saying, Mel, that it was lame and there was all this slow stuff. How many people at SpaceX do you think actually created this event? Four. Three. Five. Wow. You guys were so close. What I win? I was closest. You know what? I did bring some gifts for you guys. (laughs) Oh,
0: that's nice. I saw the map of the layout of the place, food trucks, music thing, uh, entrance to pod. It was a End great of pod.
3: Yeah, no, it was a great event. They had uh, merchandise
0: tent and then I thought of you. I said Robert's in that merchandise tent right
3: now. Yeah, Robert did go he got a, a
0: hat. I see that's nice. Hyperloop
3: Pod competition. I have so many hats.
0: Pod petition.
3: I wear many hats. That's what, they, <laughs> that's what they
0: should have called it, the pod petition. I, mean, I don't want to
2: say it was lame. I'm just saying that the live stream was lame. It looked like there was some excitement it's, there. There was a lot going on. There's a lot of engineers. Uh, we got to see a couple of engineers discussing their stuff. Like, they look like three-year-old kids. Oh, yeah, and so then we took the uh, gravitational device and we reversed the uh, size of the planet and then we did this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And it Made me feel good though.
0: There were some sort of interesting Elon tweets that happened around – the mm-hmm. pod competition, where he said something about the the tunneling will start today. Yeah, so so this
2: stuff about tunneling now. He's suggesting that he didn't mean tunneling under the ground. He means tunneling via hyperloop. Is that what he's getting at? It
0: felt that way. Although I was almost of the of the ilk that he's not going to tunnel the whole hyperloop track, so he doesn't have to deal with right away issues.
3: Well, here is like a picture bury of the, the whole thing. Here is a picture of the digging that's actually happening. What are they digging? The They're digging. digging
2: a hole. What, a, what to? Where?
3: Everybody's speculating. Even SpaceX employees are speculating. Fracking? Well, there's two things going on across the street from SpaceX. One, they're building a bridge from their parking structure into SpaceX. Mm-hmm. Why?
0: To get away from the traffic? So they can walk into because work? Because
3: something like six SpaceX employees have been struck by speeding motorists who run red lights along Hawthorne Boulevard. Were any of them in Teslas?
0: Automated or, or otherwise? I don't
3: think so. But oh, I don't know terrible. for sure. That is terrible. But right? the reality is that it's become very dangerous for SpaceX employees just to arrive at work. So number one, they are building a bridge across that street so that the employees can get into SpaceX and actually do work and not be injured. Number
0: two, were any of them killed?
3: No, I don't. I did not hear that. Thankfully, that's yeah. good. And the other thing is that um, they're starting the tunnel, and there's speculation: could the tunnel be a way to get directly onto the freeway from the SpaceX? Territory That is now developing in that area Could it be that the tunnel is going directly to Los Angeles International Airport As an alternative transportation entrance way? It's, it's, it's up in the air Nobody really knows that I talk to Or they're all lying to me and don't want to tell me the truth That it's going to the core of the planet There must be a permit or something It's got to be public Yeah Well, maybe some talking Tesla uh,
1: Listeners will
3: check it out I'm here with Peter at the Hyperloop competition. Peter's with which team?
1: Uh, MIT Hyperloop.
3: And so you guys are like sort of the golden team, the one that I keep hearing about.
1: Well, that's probably because we won the design competition a year ago uh, with this design for the pod. Uh, So we kind of had a target on our backs coming into this competition. Uh, So, yeah, it's it's been a lot of work since then to actually build the thing. It's been a lot of fun.
3: And so what challenges, uh, what are the kind of like two or three of the big challenges you've run into?
1: Well, uh, a lot of our team uh, graduated in last June. So we actually completed construction of the pod in a matter of four months, which was uh, a very aggressive time frame. Uh, so it's been done for a long time. Uh, and so we, had a, we have a great team at MIT still that continued to do testing and working on it. But uh, the fact that the competition got moved back so far, it, it got pushed back eight months, uh, was, was definitely a challenge for us.
3: And so systems that you have to work on are things like braking, levitation, but yours is actually powered by the the SpaceX sled.
1: That's right. We don't have any onboard propulsion, meaning we can't make ourselves go. Uh, we can make ourselves stop. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, SpaceX provided us the, the force we needed to get going, and we basically took care of the rest. And
3: so I'm, I'm looking at the front of the pod. People can check out the the website to look at a picture but what's the name of your mascot
1: Dumby uh,
3: Dumby Dumby looks like a small child with a bruised leg why do you call it Dumby
1: uh, I don't know that I have an answer for that the the small child is because this uh, entire tube is really a half scale or quarter scale type of thing so it's not really designed for a, a full human but we we like Dumby uh, he's been with us the whole time so <laughs> he's he's uh, he might be dumb because uh, he's the very first rider on an actual Hyperloop tube, so he's, he's one of a kind.
3: Big risk taker. I assume there aren't too many risk takers like that at MIT. Too many smart people.
1: <laughs> no, b- taking big risks is what we do. Uh, every team here, all, all 30 of them have been taking huge risks because uh, this has never been done before, and there's so much unknown. Spending all this time and resources on something that may not pan out is, is extremely risky, but it's, it's been worth it.
3: How many people on your team and how much money have you guys spent?
1: Uh, We have 30 people on our team, and uh, I I can't disclose how much money we've spent. I I am allowed to say that the the pod itself costs uh, more than $50,000.
3: Well, that's quite a bit more than some of the other schools that I've seen here. Well, thanks for your time. It's great to see it. And uh, are you guys going to be back in the summer?
1: Uh, we'll see. Uh, as I said, a lot of our team is kind of off into the world right now, but we're hoping to retool with some some younger folks at MIT. And I certainly hope that we'll be back because we have the capability to, to go much, much faster. So if SpaceX will push us, I suspect we'll be here. So
3: the, the event was great. It was very family oriented. There were corn toss. There were foosball. I don't think, there was a hockey, uh, air hockey table. There was... Cool tables there was a band on a stand and there were all these tents set up with all these teams and i actually got to sit in the badger loop hyperloop pod
0: look at you are the badgers
3: from the wisconsin they are how fast did you go i went zero miles yeah, an hour that's and cool. then about three minutes after i sat in it elon sat in it
2: i saw you tweeting out pictures of elon you were like there did you touch the golden coat did all your diseases go away no no but he was there he was there. And,
3: and he walked in. How did I know he was there? As I was standing, and all of a sudden, I, I heard this, he's here, he's here, he's here, he's here. And this crowd was collecting, and they just walked right past me. I just stood in place. And uh, and it was great. He was there. He gave a talk.
5: Uh, just to add my congratulations, uh, we've got 800 students, uh, 27 teams, uh, some of the smartest engineering students in the world. Thank you for coming. Thank you for participating. I've done incredible work. Well done. So. So, so what what this is really intended to do is to encourage uh, innovation in, in transport technology uh, to get people excited about new forms of transport um, things that may be completely different from what we we see today but to, but to really just get people to innovate and think about uh, doing things in a, in a, in a way that's uh, not, not just a repeat of the past uh, but to explore the boundaries of physics and see what is really really possible and I think We'll find that it's way more incredible than than we ever realized. I'm told this is like the, maybe the second biggest uh, vacuum chamber in the world after the la- Large Hadron Collider, <laughs> so it's uh, kind of exciting. Um, and then later today, we'll see how fast the the uh, the pods can go. Um, and I think it's just going to get better and better uh, every year. Uh, I think it's ultimately going to be something that uh, inspires the world and. Uh, And and results in in real transportation technologies that uh, help people's lives and make them better.
3: There were a lot of people there from a lot of other places. And what two teams won the most prizes at the competition? I think my team won. The Europeans. Yeah, I had them. Yeah. In the pool. Delft. The pod pool. Yeah. Pool pod.
2: You did not have a pool pod.
3: No, I didn't. You just make, the, That's you correct. make that up. <laughs> but that would be a cool thing to do next uh, for the summer competition number two where people are coming back. MIT got yeah. slammed. That would right? require
0: probably there to be more information ahead of time about what the hell is in the thing and how many teams are on there. Can we do that? Can we
3: get some information about it next time? five people running this whole thing. Well, to you people, thank you. Yeah, no, they did a fantastic job. And what they're concentrated on is how to freaking pull the air out of the tube and have it work, how to make the pusher work. In fact, the pusher was the big issue. The pusher. The pusher, it's what it's Mm -hmm. called. I guess it was not a Tesla Model S base, you know, sled, but I guess it had a lot of Tesla technology on it. Was supposed to push them as fast as uh, 250 miles an hour, I heard, or 150 miles an hour. And the problem was that they were having recharge issues, so they weren't able to recharge it fast enough. Which That's embarrassing, can- <laughs> yes. But again, they're working out right the problems. The some of the some of the teams had problems where they didn't have enough clearance, or they had you know problems with their braking. So everybody was just working it out. This was like a um, a tech working it out do-it-yourself weekend, it was not meant to be some big, splashy demonstration. It looked to me like
2: uh, this thing called Odyssey of the Mind. Odyssey of the Mind is an after-school program that was sort of started by an MIT professor and you get middle school and high school kids to come and just like solve problems and then there's a big competition. And uh, I had the same feeling. My son, Tom's daughter, was in this thing for years. Um, You just have this problem. You've got to solve it and you've got to fix it right now. You've got 20 minutes. Go, engineers. It's kind of like, you know – Apollo thirteen, right? Like, uh, you have to put a square box in a round hole in space, and you've got about twenty minutes, or all the guys die. It's that same kind of spirit. So that's what I got from it, and I thought it was pretty cool. I'm sorry that I said that the
3: stream was lame. Well, it was kind of lame. I (laughs) sat there for you know an hour and forty five minutes waiting for an entire run to take place, sitting on a cold. You know, uh, bleacher type bench, and people around me were interesting. We all just talked. I heard about stories. One guy who works for SpaceX, another guy who's an MIT alum, who's there just to support the MIT team here in Southern California. Some of these teams were huge—60 people, over like hundreds of millions, hundreds of thousands of dollars for them. And then there was the the small University of Colorado team, which had basically like three guys. Mm-hmm. and 25 grand that they raised and they did a pretty decent job it looked like a really cool car that we could put on the road it was fun and so shall we do a picture uh, opportunity moment okay it's good All radio when we do my my this let it a picture opportunity course. moment well, yeah yeah i'm gonna put this some, i'll put this on twitter i got you some. he's got some toys
2: He's always with the toys. Here he goes. He's opening up the bag here. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Um, yes, That's good a, radio. Yeah, yeah. EJ's going to like the sound oh, of that. Oh, yeah. It's a shirt. And I'm going to take off
3: my uh, sweatshirt. Robert
2: shirt. bought us a t- shirt. It says competition, competition week,
3: weekend.
2: January Check. 27th through 29th. And on the back, there's a r- actually a very cool picture Of the Hyperloop tunnel, which is very fancy, we'll take a picture with all of these on and send
3: that out because that'll mark this week's Talking Tesla. Fantastic image!
2: We should probably start the show though, because we just spent a long time talking about no, the pre-show, right?
0: Pro pre-show.
2: So what we're going to do this week, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I made an executive decision because uh, I'm the decider. I uh, decided that we're going to try this week to. Bring many of the letters in as we go. So, if we're talking about Model S and somebody has a Model S letter, we're going to tr- bring that in as we go. So, I thought I'd actually start with a letter because it's really important. Here we go. David Weinberg says this. Headed to an overnight shift here in the depressing eternal winter cloud that is Pittsburgh, and I just thought I would respond to Tom's request for an explanation of my claiming that Robert being the smart one. I'll tell you this, and it's not an alternate fact, but A reality. Mel obviously cannot be the smart one after admitting on a top 10 tech podcast that he has unusually small genitals. That is not smart, by the way. Tom obviously cannot be the smart one since he has not owned a car for the past four months, and unless he's borrowed Mel's electric bicycle, he's probably having a hard time commuting around Los Angeles. That is incorrect. Robert, when properly caffeinated—what the hell happened last week, (laughs) Robert?—produces the most reasonable arguments and unique information, even though he is royally screwed, missing out on that extra range in exchange for unlimited supercharging on his new model. As that being said, after he couldn't figure out how to exit his car without being drenched by a windshield wiper, I'm starting to question this intellectual (laughs) supremacy— Great episode this week. Keep uh, the watch out for the political bullshit that reigns from Washington. David Weinberg. There you go. What do you have to say
0: about that, Tom? I think the takeaway point is that none of us happen to be the smart one.
3: Damn it. Well, thanks, David. I appreciate your check on me. I've already – I just checked my, uh, my cup. I'm about two-thirds of the way down through my espresso uh, bulletproof coffee. And so – You know, the wiper thing, it's still really big on me. I think there's such an opportunity for improvement there. And I've talked to four different Tesla owners, and they've all experienced the same thing. And how this has gotten, you know, five years down the line, and they haven't figured it out, they got to work on it. Of course, they're working on a lot of things at once. But there's, you know, how many you know how many people were at the Tesla recruiting booth at the Hyperloop pod competition, and how many of the students I talked to, and I said, "You guys going to do an internship or anything?" And they're like, it's "So there's such competition. You know, they're spending like sixty hours a week on these pods just so they can look good, so they can get an internship at Tesla or SpaceX, and then maybe get a job there." So this is awesome. People want to work for the Tesla Mm -hmm. and the SpaceX and the loop that is
2: hyper, Tom. I really really am going to stab you. Hey, I'm going to – Tom, we're going to do the stock price. Now, Tom's written down the stock price, but I want to see who's smarter. Hey, Google, what's Tesla's stock price?
0: But that's different now because it's open. As of
4: 11.55 a.m. Eastern Standard Time today, the price for Tesla Motors' shares on NASDAQ is $250.39, down 1.01% from last Friday.
2: Tom, when's your stock price from? Over the weekend. Oh, so I'm saying that Google's smarter than you in this area because oh! she gets this instant...
3: Instant numbers How do you feel, Tom? Now I'm okay with it Now you've been put out of a job That's right By automation Alright, I'll see you guys uh, Never Let's try Alexa Is that what you want? Here we go Hmm?
2: Alexa What is Tesla's stock price?
4: Hmm I don't know
5: Oh But you can take a look At the Bing search link I added in the Alexa app
2: Oh, I don't think so (laughs) Um, I think you're going to Notice that during the show That uh, it's going to be Pretty clear who the smart one is (laughs) Now, there's another letter I got here from Keg Warner who says, you know, just remember the Tesla stock is pretty risky and there are all these tricks that you can do to reduce your risk. Stuff that I have no idea what he's talking about, puts and bits and going forwards and backwards and I don't know. He was talking uh,
0: about options where you, you know, where you get the – you buy options to buy large swaths of stock but you invest a little bit of money in these options, right? So. You have the opportunity to buy, say, 10,000 Tesla shares on next Friday mm. at X dollars. Okay. You pay $1,000 for that right. Yes. If that time comes and the Tesla is trading higher than that, then yes. you obviously do the option. Okay. If it's not, then you don't do the option. Uh-huh. and you lose your $1000 that you paid for the option. That's the basic of it. I'm sure it's a ton more complicated and that will get a thousand letters, but uh-huh. that's the basic deal. It's like making your money kind of work for you in in the short in the small amounts to try to get the big amounts. It's like risking a little to buy a lot. That's kind of the deal.
2: It's always been my opinion that investing in the stock market is basically gambling. Now, that's not to say that you can't become a good gambler. For it's example short term it is. Warren Buffett, for example, must be a very good gambler because he's done very well. Mel Herbert, on the other hand, very bad gambler, so he doesn't play.
0: That's not true. He just
2: sits there and drinks the, the happy drinks that they bring it, around.
0: There's just multiple ways to do it. If you're in indexing for the long haul, and Warren Buffett End is down. a value investor. So he buys sort of things that are sort of brands and items that are critical that he can get a, on a for a bargain and then he may, manages them better and brings up their value. Does he have any Tesla stock? I don't know the answer to that question.
3: It's just look up the uh, portfolio of Berkshire Hathaway.
2: Hey Google, does Berkshire Hathaway own any Tesla stock?
4: Sorry, I can't help with that yet.
2: Yeah, all right, so Nobody wins that competition. Let's do the Mm. Elon that is Musk in politics.
3: You didn't even bother to ask Alexa. No, I've worked with
2: Alexa for two years. I'm pretty clear that she doesn't know anything. So what's
3: this Google thing called? It's called Google Home. Google
2: Home. $50. Yeah, It's a fun toy to play with, as you'll find out. Look, Gizmodo has this um, long article, and it sort of goes and starts with an Elon tweet about the former CEO of Exxon, Rex Tillerson, who is slated to be our Secretary of State, who I think he is actually now our Secretary of State. And Elon agrees with The Economist that he has potential to be excellent. So then uh, a number of people with some direct messages to Elon ask, why do you think that? And he basically summarizes it this way. When he was... Uh, the head of Exxon. He did a pretty good job. He didn't say he did a great job. He did a pretty good job. And since the job of Secretary of State is to fight for America, if he brings that same sort of tenacity to that job, then maybe he'll be good. He really likes him because he has stated, Rex Tillerson has stated, that he believes in a carbon tax. And Elon loves this. I suspect that's why Elon's got sort of the blinkers on a little bit, because of that one issue. But rather than pushing a carbon tax while under uh, Rex's rule, they gave $3.6 million to the American Enterprise Institute to support their disinformation campaign. Elon goes on to say that uh, we need to tax finite resources like carbon and pollution, and we don't. And that produces a instability in the market because you get to pollute and do all the stuff and you never count the cost until it's too late. And that produces instability. And so that's why he likes the idea of Rex. And then he says this because a number of people said um, – This is never going to happen under a Trump presidency. You are never going to get a carbon tax. And let me quote for you directly what he says. He says, you're missing the point. This is Elon. This is something we need to strive for. And the more voices of reason that the president hears, the better. Simply attacking him will achieve nothing. Are you aware of a single case where Trump bowed to protest or to media attacks? Better that there are open channels of communication. What say you, gentlemen?
3: Well, the first thing I was going to say is the devil is in the details, and that is how it always is when it comes to politics, Washington, Sacramento, et cetera. How much is the carbon tax? Does it make a difference to companies that are polluting? Are they really going to dial back their operations? And does that money go anywhere? Does that money go towards clean technology, which at this point, I don't think Trump really has talked about at all, other than the fact that he's got Elon at meetings and Elon runs a couple of clean companies. Well,
2: he, Elon was suggesting you do it this way. You could do it so that you don't actually have any net increase in tax. So you have a carbon tax to bring sort of the forces uh, into a line. You know, burning coal is bad, solar panels are good, so therefore you get more solar panels. And then you take that money. And you reduce other taxes like, uh, I don't know, sales tax, for
0: example. He mentioned the sales tax specifically as being regressive. However, is it not a do as I do, not as I say? Because, yes, Rex Tillerson did say at one point he was for a carbon tax while advocating as his company against a carbon tax that was going to be imposed on them. So – Who's the real? Will the real Rex Tillerson please stand up, in my opinion? And I think all of this – I agree with Elon that President Trump only listens to you if you're in a room with him and you're talking. But as soon as you leave, he signs a crazy piece of paper that makes no freaking sense.
2: So uh, mm. Robert Saunders has a letter here that says, is Elon at risk of being basically a fake news prop by the Trump administration? And so uh, he is concerned, as many people are – no, I don't know what the right answer is here. So Elon's saying, I want to get in there, I want him to hear my voice, because the alternative is to not be involved with Trump and to be screaming from the outside, and he's not going to listen to that, that's for sure. So is Elon right? Maybe, but as Robert has suggested, he, he's got to be a little careful that they don't sort of wheel out Elon every five minutes to say, oh, we've got Elon, so we're all green or something like that. That's my concern, but I think Elon's smart enough to know when he's getting worked Yeah, and and he uh, also I'm sorry,
0: and he's also on the Twitter enough that he seems to be sort of pushing back a little bit. And I'm not trying to call Elon out. I do think he should be part of this presidential advisory board, but I think he needs to be very, very diligent in his dealings with the
3: president. I spent some time in Sacramento over a year or four or five and found that it's really important to listen and to be open and to not be like in concrete over your issues that you need to be able to give and take. And I guess my concern at this point is that with the current administration, there isn't a lot of there isn't a lot to take from them or, you know, it's like you can give to them, but it's not like you're going to get anything back. It's just it seems that they are very concrete. And so he's made a lot of very specific announcements and um, uh, promises to his electorate. Not the electorate of the United States, but just of his electorate, and he's sticking very close to them. And my worry is that that it it's not going to be sustainable, and and that this is going to be uh, this is going to end badly. All
2: right, let's move off politics and let's talk about Model S, the best-selling car, plug-in car for the second year. This is from Whee! HybridCars.com. They sold fifty thousand nine hundred thirty-one Model S's last year. Uh, this is the second year that they've been the number one plug-in car. Despite the high price of the car, it's perceived to be so good that people continue to buy it. And uh, don't be fooled. The big manufacturers have, of course, noticed and are ramping up production. The top-selling EVs of all time is still the Nissan Leaf at 250000 The Model S is at and sixty-ish thousand. And so these numbers are good, make me feel happy, but they need to be an order of magnitude Mag- bigger. These need to be in the millions 1000000s That'd be a couple orders of magnitude. Yes,
0: that is correct. And I looked at the list, and on the list is the Outlander. And I was like, ooh, what's the Outlander? I hadn't Mm -hmm. seen that one. So the Outlander is number four on the list. It's a big Mitsubishi SUV, and they've never sold one in the U.S. I think it was announced in, like, 2008 originally, potentially. And it's been delayed and delayed, delayed and delayed and delayed. And and I was pretty excited about it. I was like, ooh, is this going to come here? and it only gets a 32 miles all electric and that's using the european standard so what do you think that real mileage oh range is it's probably something closer to the volvo xe90 in the 19ish at best yeah i think the uh, european standard is like half the us standard but they have sold 109,000 of them so that's that's, that's not, not, not zero nothing.
3: that's a lot of gasoline
0: um stolen model and supercharging for life
2: uh, colonel abram Ontario, Canada, writes this. Cornell, maybe? Uh, Cornell? Cor- or you could do it with an, <laughs> an accent. <laughs> or it should be Colonel. Corolel. Coronel Coronel. <laughs> he says this. Hey, what happens if my SRX gets stolen and I've bought an SRX that has supercharging for life? Do you think that Tesla will give me a credit? And I said, yeah, I think that they're nice people. They'll do that. So you've got your car. You just bought it. It's supercharging for life. Somebody steals it. They trash it. They turn it into, I don't know, AAA batteries or whatever they're going to do with it. Um, If you go to Tesla and say, hey, they stole my car. It's really bad. Can I have supercharging for life on my uh, replacement car? I say that would be really nice. Um, But maybe I'm wrong. But here's the good news is that the Model S is one of the least stolen cars in America. And it's presumed because... Um, they're really easy to track. Every time you plug it into a supercharger, they can track you. And also, I think that people who steal cars, just like everybody else, don't know so much about uh, the electric cars. So they don't want to steal a car
3: they don't know about.
0: Even if you're not plugged into a supercharger, they can track you, to be honest with you. That's true. If they turn on the app, you can just see where the car is at any given time.
3: What if you wrap the car in aluminum foil? <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey!
0: Melt Gibson the car? So this is something
3: <laughs> – that... <laughs> This is something I talked about on Talking Tesla 63 right after the Motor for Toys uh, event, which is sort of the yearly L.A. Tesla Club event for kids, it's a big car show and a holiday party. And that, one of the people, one of the Tesla Club members at the party says, well, wait, what if you're driving your Tesla, no fault of your own, somebody runs a red light, totals your car, kind of like Tom. What if you're like Tom? But instead of driving a Toyota RAV, you were driving a Tesla with supercharger for life. And now, not only are you super bummed that your beautiful electric car got totaled, but you've, you've now lost supercharging for life. And I thought, oh, no fault of your own. Of course, Tesla will help you out with that. Well, that's not what I've heard when I've asked people at Tesla. They say that supercharging for life is linked to the VIN number. And if you need a new VIN you don't have it supercharging for life. I'm just going to say that you should go and tell
2: Tesla your sad story and surely from a public relations point of view, they'll just give you supercharging for life.
0: I'm just saying – There is no actual sad story right now. You know that, No, right? it's a theoretically like it's sad a theoretical, story. Oh, your theoretical sad yeah. story. Yeah, and then
2: you'll get a theoretical replacement Model S with theoretical lifetime free charging nice. in this universe. Now, let me ask
0: you this. What if you have a Model S with lifetime supercharging? It gets stolen or and or totaled. In the process, and you're like, I think I want to buy an X. Should they still give you supercharging
3: yes. for life? Well, it's going to get complicated here, isn't it? It's like, are you a legacy Tesla owner? But on the other hand, there should be maybe an option to buy from Tesla supercharging for life. I'm giving Tesla now a marketing opportunity. As a because, person, you mean? Well, let's say this is part of your insurance plan. So you buy an electric car. There's a provision for Tesla owners. If you have supercharging for life and your car is totaled as part of your insurance settlement, they will pay Tesla for you to have on your next car supercharging for life. So... At the end of the day, is this not much ado about nothing? Because we have
0: done multiple, multiple segments on this show about supercharging and it just doesn't pay.
3: Well, if you're Mel and you flip your Tesla every year, it means nothing. There you go. But if you own your Tesla for 10 years, right, we said it was around $54,000 that you'll save with supercharging no, for life. Miles? I'm sorry. $54,000? Yeah, no, I'm sorry. You're right, Tom. Thank you. You have to drive 54,000 miles. I think that's the number that we came of up with. Of
0: supercharging. 54,000 supercharging miles. And
3: if you own your car for 10 years or 20 years, how, when when does that come into play? Is that coming to play after four years, five years, You probably are years? close to that, right? Like There's no More than way. 50% of the miles no, you put on your
0: car. No, we've already about this. No. He did 50?
3: 80%? I'd say I'm somewhere between 30 and 50%. I haven't sat down and used that uh, fine listener's... Uh, link to a web page where I can actually go and scroll through. I, I don't have the time. But there there's a good amount of supercharging that I do on the car. I went down to right. Hawthorne Supercharger twice this weekend, although the second time it was nice. I plugged into the destination chargers there, and I didn't care. I only needed like 100 miles. So there for four hours, destination charger, Worked out
2: great. Actually, let's. Uh, I want to ask you about that. So you've got a Hyperloop event, which is linked to Tesla, which is linked to Elon, which is down at the, the factory at the, well, the Hawthorne Design Studio. How did you get to plug in? I would have assumed there would be 1.8 million Teslas down there. At the there were not.
3: Time. There was not? I'm telling you, man, this thing was not that well attended. In fact, Robert, who – thank you, Robert, for inviting me. Robert of, SpaceX, Robert of SpaceX, friend of the show He said, uh, you know, looking at it, it's not very busy I'm sorry that Mel and Tom didn't come down And I had actually sent you guys a Voxer to come on down
0: Well, you sent a Vox, it wasn't a Vox to come on down it Well, was a it vox was, like, it was
3: an invitation But like you, Tom, was. I was like,
2: unless I can get behind the ropes I yeah. don't want to stand outside because I'm watching the feed and I'm not seeing a lot of activity outside the ropes because there ain't much happening inside
0: the ropes. So we would have been down there and Robert would have been like shoving food like <laughs> through right. a chain link fence Robert, at us. A oh, and we would have been like, hey, this is great, Robert. Wow, this is a lot of fun. I mean, that seems awkward. Next I'm time just gonna
2: say. they're going to make it better because only five people put this whole thing together. That's amazing. Look, let's go talk about uh, MPGE, miles per gallon E. Equivalent. 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 So, electrification. So, this is uh, Green Car Reports, and it just came out and said, you know, the most efficient car in the United States today is the Hyundai Ionic with a US MPGE of 136 miles. Now, the rest of this article I found quite confusing, but uh, it got me to ask the question what does that mean? Because you see it all the time now. <laughs> I'm like, I look at all. I'm like, I've never really stopped to go, what does that actually mean? I know bigger is better, as in lots of things in life. Thomas, don't yeah. look at me and my small...
0: You look good.
2: And it goes like this. MPGE standardizes energy density of gasoline to, get this, 33.7 kilowatt hours, or 121 megajoules of electricity. In one gallon. Of gas. As an equivalent. So that... The first thing that gets me is this is why we live in a hydrocarbon universe right now. There is so much energy density in a gallon of gasoline. It's the equivalent of thirty-three point seven kilowatt hours. That's amazing. That means my Tesla basically has a three-gallon tank. I have a ninety-kilowatt Tesla uh-huh. and a thirty-three point seven, and an yeah, yeah. I did the about
3: three gallons. It's right here. I did the math. My eighty-five kilowatt hour. Battery holds two point five two gallons of gas. All of that battery, all of that lithium, not very energy dense compared to gasoline. That's why we
0: are digging up the dinosaurs and burning them. And then gasoline has this variable of energy density as well. When you go, when I I filled up over the weekend, (laughs) sorry, Um, and at the Costco pump, it says you know this is sold by volume, and things like temperature affect the energy. Contained inside the gasoline Just like temperature Affects the energy contained In the Tesla batteries Or the ability for the Tesla battery To sort of move that energy around We know in cold areas They're not as efficient In hot areas also the same So it's actually interesting How energy itself Energy itself We should talk to energy We haven't talked to a a thing in a while
2: I might talk to gasoline uh, next week And ask them how
0: they became so dense But the least So what I learned after reading that was the least efficient plug-in electric car sold in 2016 or 2017 was the Chinese BYD E6 at 72 miles per hour per gallon equivalent which uses more ener- energy more efficiently than every single vehicle of any kind on the market with g- with a gasoline or diesel engine and then i was curious what about those natural gas vehicles right because our right. energy our our electricity for the most part around here is made by natural gas so what's right. the what how does that balance out oh but out? those
3: are clean energy cars those cars they only put out you know co2 and water they they don't put out all the other bad
0: stuff no i don't natural gas vehicles have emissions don't they
3: yeah, they—they no? have yeah, the They don't put up. out all the other bad stuff. No, they're true. cleaner, but they're they not clean. Nox. Let's be clear.
0: So the most popular one of those is the Honda Civic natural gas vehicle, and it only gets 27 city and 38 highway MPGE equivalent. So that's not very good. Better than gasoline.
3: And so again, in some
0: cars, let's go
3: back to my little math equation. And my car, the Model S 2013, I still get. 246 miles on a full charge and if that's worth 2.52 gallons that means I'm going 97.6 miles per gallon equivalent I got to put the little e in there but that's that's amazing a big car big heavy car like I have that goes 97.6 almost 98 miles per gallon that's crazy that's four times what an equivalent Lexus or Mercedes would get It's hard to sort of wrap your mind around it
2: until you realize, well, there's just these intrinsic efficiencies in electricity to electric motor to push you along. I heard a TED talk that said a gasoline engine is less than 1% efficient in terms of the energy you put into the amount of energy you get out, which is you moving. So um, the energy density of these batteries is really low, but the efficiency of the car overall is extraordinarily high. Four times higher than the, the equivalent gasoline car. So when people tell you how you know inefficient and how there's no energy density in a battery, you can say, yeah, but overall, when it comes down to it, like moving you along, they are spectacularly efficient compared to gasoline cars and only getting better all the time yeah. with our new cells that are coming. So uh, that was really interesting, Tom, that the least efficient, the most crappy electric car is still three times more efficient than the best Internal combustion engine car. Well, I don't know
0: that that's actually true.
2: Well, of a common one, I should say, because the Prius is up there around sixty miles per
3: gallon equivalent. The new one, but it is using electricity. It's using, yeah, it's using a hybrid, and it's. My guess is
0: that like those little Fiat or the Smart car or whatever might get fifty or sixty miles. Smart car gets crappy gas mileage. Does
2: does? it does the Smart car itself is not that good, but there are something. So the point is, uh. Gasoline, we love you. Thank you for all you've done. Uh, it's been great. A lot of energy. <laughs> uh, but uh, we won't, we need a transition over now. I don't want you to feel bad about it. We still need you probably in some really big trucks for digging big holes for Hyperloops and other stuff. But for our day-to-day uh, work, thank you for your service. It's that, been great. That was Mel talking to
3: gasoline. I was, I was
2: talking to gasoline.
3: <laughs> I, I, are you going to talk to Diesel as well?
2: I don't want to talk to Diesel because uh, Diesel just still seems to be dirty. I thought for a while, Diesel, that you were clean, but it turns out that your owners – Were liars And I just read this morning Despite the fact that VW has been lying (laughs) Guess who is the biggest manufacturers of cars in in the world Toyota? No, VW VW. just took them
3: Now VW, wow They have a
0: lot of brands A lot of brands Right,
3: like Porsche and Audi
0: It's
2: upsetting Model 3, let's talk Model 3 First of all, let's talk the Model 3 marketing video Now I found one video But uh, somebody found an even better one So EV Annex has had a video of somebody taking a picture of a television, and it was a promotional video of a Model 3 in Europe. This hasn't been sort of uh, here in the United States. And it wasn't too exciting. When I first looked at it, it was just a Model 3 zooming around. And um, then Robert posted a much better, better one. So this is a marketing video, I presume from Tesla, because it has a Model 3, yes. and it says California on the bottom, it says. and it's silver, and it's zooming around, and it looks a lot like an S, although a little bit different. And it looks beautiful, and I want one.
0: I believe it's driving around Oakland because you can see San Francisco <laughs> yeah, off That's in right. the distance.
3: Right, it, it's a it's a Bay Area drive, and this looks like the same silver Model S that they had at the Model Three reveal that they were driving people in. I wasn't there, unfortunately. It also looks like the same uh, silver Model Three that was at the the solar roof mm-hmm. reveal, which again I wasn't at. I'm sorry. Missed that one, too. You were at Hyperloop, though. I was at Hyperloop, and damn, I feel good for going. You're like a hyper-insider. It was a hyper-experience because I got hyper-nerded out. (laughs) And so this one is cool, and I I encourage you to look at the video. I I expect there's a lot of uh, talking Tesla listeners who are waiting for this car because this will be their first Tesla. And quite honestly, watching this video, thinking about the angst that I've had about the 90 versus 100D battery, I've thought... You know what? I'm getting kind of pissed off at Tesla. And maybe I should just wait for the Model Three, and have you know a charge rate of three and maybe. a hundred kilowatt battery in that little car because it'll have the twenty one seven hundred cells, mm-hmm. and it'll be fully autopilot. Mm-hmm. Can and- you cancel your car? Is that what we're getting at? Yeah, you could. It's expensive though twenty five hundred bucks. Mm. Yeah.
0: What is the percentage of your thought process that is considering that at the moment? Just out of curiosity, fifteen percent. Interesting, not very high. So you're getting one.
3: I think I'm going to get it. I've I've got to pull some more strings because I went on the TMC uh, website to look and see. Like I've been hearing from, like not a small number of people in my world, six people who have gone, uh, bought a Tesla with supercharger for life, and want the hundred battery upgrade not p100 but 100 uh six people that's a lot of people to be running into with this one very hyper specific situation and i was referred to tmc website where a guy i think it was a guy said that he had bought a 90 and he complained to tesla and they upgraded him for the 3000 and he just paid a 500 hundred dollar change fee dang i'd like to have done that and there's like 15 other people who were on TMC talking about how they couldn't do it. So I'm going to escalate this up a bit. I, I need some more time because I spent the whole goddamn weekend at
0: the Hyperloop. These are the kinds of things that that aren't huge problems for Tesla, but they're little sniggly things that take them a lot of resources, I would assume, to kind of deal with. Because like, yeah. if it's 15 in at the LA Tesla Club, right? then there's probably – you know, 15 in New York and 15 in X and, you know, San Francisco and all all over the place. So, uh, yeah, it feels like problematic, although I would be – if I was them, I probably – I would hold the line and not do it just so – I don't have to deal with it right because once you hear of one person that gets this done for them, that's it man, you've opened the floodgates and everybody else is like well you did it for this guy, you did it for this guy, you did it for this guy. But I'd like to get back to the Model 3 video for just one quick second if you don't mind Robert. Although sure. you have your hand up so I feel like maybe No, go ahead. The interesting thing to me was I've always I was concerned initially when we talked about it just having like a normal trunk kind of thing, the Model 3 yes and looking like a sedan but if you look very closely at this video the seam for the what the trunk is is about halfway up the back window which means that and, and there's quite a bit of st- a space between the back seat and the back of the car. So it looks like that whole thing comes up and there's a lot more, potentially a lot more space in the trunk than I would have imagined. I was specifically
2: look at looking at that too and it looked a lot like the S. It looks like it's turned into a
0: hatch. But the difference is the S window for sure goes up. And you're right. Not sure this one does not. There's no way. The way that you can see the seam on mm. the metal. So what will happen is it'll be like taking the lid off of it, right? So you'll open it, and yeah. it'll be like another car. There'll be metal up there, but it'll open a little bigger than an average trunk, right? It won't. Mm. The glass won't come up with it, mm. but the metal it's thing sort of will a come up bigger. hybrid
2: Bottom to it. It's a hybrid. Hybrid it's bottom. A
0: hybrid bottom.
2: Um, it looks really slick and you like you, Robert, I'm like, I'm concerned that when the model three comes out, we're going to talk more about model three, but that, um, I'll be like, don't stupid model S with only 90 miles of kilowatt battery bar and I want. All but it'll st-. have more range. I don't know. I don't know. The model three is, I mean, the yeah. model three literally could come out with just as good or better range, fully autonomous driving, much better heads up display. Cause currently there isn't one and, uh, be half the price
3: are like, what am I
0: doing? I don't think range. I think range has got to be the differentiator.
3: Well, if they go, I think they're shooting for price. They may bump up range in an option. But to get like a 240-mile range with the new 21700 cells, they may only need, uh, you know, half the size of the Model S battery. Again, half the weight half the complexity, half the number of parts, half the cost, half the cost or less, And I'm looking at the video again, and I'm pretty convinced that the glass is all fixed. There is a little line there that I believe this is probably in this section where I'm pointing right now that you cannot see. Of course, is where they're hiding the pneumatics, the the little gas-filled cylinder that helps to hold up the trunk. But I don't think that the trunk is going to open more than from the bottom of the trunk line to the glass. And it's going to be challenging to put my son's bike in the back of that car. So it's interesting. We don't
2: know exactly how this is going to open up, but uh, Tom has got a point. It could be that it's sort of uh, halfway between an usual trunk and a hatchback. We will see. Definitely the glass won't go up yeah, uh, as, so. as far as that. As far as, as you can tell on that. We don't know if this is final either because uh, it's just, a uh, you know, it's this, this video work. is just being driven around in a car that they're not really revealing all the features. It's just sort of a prototype. We don't know what's going on inside. We don't know a lot about this. It just looks good. That's all I can tell you. It looks good. Letter from David Hine. Hit him with a Hein, Says this: um, We talked about Model Three, okay, and its pricing in the U.S. All right, thirty to thirty-five to fifty thousand dollars, which is not a cheap car, but it's much better. But David points out the math in places like Oz. This car is going to come in at least seventy thousand dollars, which in Oz is still a pretty expensive car. Now, having lived in Australia for half of my life, cars are very expensive in Australia. Um, probably on average twice as much as they are here. And there's a lot of reasons for this. But he's asking the question, once you get the car you want in Australia, you Model 3 and you sort of option it up and it comes in at seventy or $80,000, are they going to sell many of these? Because now it's a really expensive car because of all of the extra charges that they
3: do in Australia. Thanks, David, for your letter. Appreciate it. I, I can't say I speak anything with any knowledge of Australia since I've Australia since I've never been there but I do want to go but I did read a detailed report on importing cars to Australia and evidently with importation of a model three you will not incur the massive luxury car taxes and so I just did some numbers basically by importing a model S you're going to pay about nine thousand dollars in additional like import tax, duty, whatever you want to call it, as compared to a Model 3. And I did the calculation. There's, I guess, the duty, the GST. What, what is GST? It's goods and services tax that they put on everything that's sold. And then there's a 33% luxury car tax that takes place above like a $58,000 ceiling. So basically, on a Model 3, you'll pay about $7,300 in tax. As opposed to a Model S, stripped down Model S, seventy thousand dollar Model S, twenty four thousand dollars in additional cost.
0: I think the last part of your addition is wrong. The so you have seven thousand duty, seven thousand GST, thirty three percent luxury tax, but above it it says on the value above fifty seven. So I think the thirty three percent is on would be on the last thirteen thousand dollars. So it's only Another four thousand or something. But it so, includes
3: right? the taxes before. Oh it does. It does. Oh, I mean okay. it's all compounding. Oh, that's why the GST actually includes the duty and then the luxury car tax includes the duty and the wow. GST. I know, what a wreck. That's expensive. So that's how you hide additional taxes by making one. Pay on the other, which you know that's what restaurants do all the time. <laughs> you know, at the bottom of your re- here in the United States, at least they they buy these like programs that help them figure out the bill. Right, that you write, you sign your credit card, and at the bottom it says suggested tip, and they include the tax on the suggested tip, and that's never how taxes. I'm sorry, tip. That's never how tips have been sort of like uh, I don't know what you would call that. The uh, factored. Yeah, factored. It's not like the the standard by which we consider tips. In fact, tips as I was explained to my, me by my father when I was a coming up young man did not include liquor.
0: Yeah, I agree. If you buy a $500 bottle of wine, you should not, I don't think you should tip 20% on no. that. Unless you know you want to tip your sommelier and that even 20% seems like very very it's ridiculous. Expensive. Which
2: by the way, uh the uh, documentary Som, Have you watched it? Yeah, Wonderful So good I just yeah. watched it recently It's so good um, So uh, all this to say Is that this car Is not going to be As cheap as we'd like Certainly not in places Like Australia They'll still sell A long ton of them um, Maybe a short ton Maybe Maybe a metric ton But I, what I don't understand Is why I think why, it's probably Going to
0: be a shit ton Why are cars so expensive In Australia do you think? Because of I, these Additional taxes? Yes because, because of those
2: taxes Because you have to Import them We have to import cars here well, we make a lot here. They used to make them in Australia. I don't know, but they're very. Yeah. everything in Australia is very expensive. because we're on the other side of the world, yeah. and uh, everything's expensive. Of but course. you're not
0: on the other side of the world from, say, Japan?
2: No, that's true. I don't it's know. on the other
3: side of the of These, the, the these taxes are quite understand.
2: high. I always found it funny when the Donald's up there, and America's the most taxed country in the world. I'm like, have you been to the rest of the world? <laughs> America's like the least taxed country in the world, you dub We'll I don't on. know.
3: I wonder if you have to pay extra to have the drive on the right side. I've never looked that up. And the other thing is the delivery fee. So in the United States, the delivery fee is like fifteen hundred, I think, or twelve hundred. And honestly, it takes more energy to get a car from from Fremont to New York. It takes more energy than to get a car from Fremont to Australia because on a boat, you use a lot less energy than going overland. So they're expensive.
2: I get it. I'm sorry. But uh, we'll see. Uh, he's just worried that in the real world, outside the U.S., these cars might be far more expensive. But and that's why get... you're going to need a gigafactory on every continent, building cars and making batteries. Let's just saying. get to something important. Yeah, let's talk about the new Model 3 logo. This is from
3: Electric! <laughs> the show, the podcast of minutia. Is a,
0: is a number uh, considered a new logo? Well, currently the logo <laughs> is a stylized three with
2: three lines, as you were very well know, Tom. And remember that uh, they've sort of – couldn't get Model E. They wanted to call the Model E because then it would have the Model S, the Model X, and they'd have E in the middle, and it'd be sex, and it was funny. And, t- and Elon's like, well, I guess Ford doesn't want you to have sex. And so they just went with <laughs> Model 3. So now they've changed the styling again from the three lines to just a stylized three. And does anybody
3: care? I don't know. But then there's some real interesting stuff about… The Chinese. That's right. If you look at the Chinese website for Tesla, and I've put the link here, and it says Model 3, it uses the same stylized three individual lines. Part of the reason is because in China, they don't have the same regulations or laws about trademarks. And in the United States, what I heard just recently was that they lost the opportunity to use the stylized three because you have only 18 months, I think it is. Tell us
2: about the, this Chinese uh, thing and the Model 3
3: and numbers. So it turns out in China, the if you look at the Chinese Tesla website for Model 3, and I'm including the link here, hopefully I'll make it into the show notes, the website still uses the, the stylized 3. That is the 3 bar 3, or E. And so why is that? Well, in China, 3 is a very lucky number. 3, I believe it means uh, birth, Or it sounds like the same word as birth. And in China, uh, birth and death are sort of the two ends of the spectrum. The other thing is probably in China, they don't have sort of the trademark uh, restrictions that that exist in the United States. And I recently heard that in the United States, if you register a trademark for a product and you don't actually put out the product within a year and a half, you lose the exclusivity of the trademark. And so the Stylized 3, it's been too long. So now, evidently, they're going back to the number three in the United States to satisfy that type of legal loophole. In China, though, the number three is considered lucky, very lucky, so they're sticking with it. And did you know that if you press an elevator button to go to the 50th floor in a Chinese building, you may only end up at the 35th floor?
0: What? I know 50 is not 35 No it isn't That is correct That is good work right there Mel
3: Thank you Well the number 4 Is at the opposite end of the spectrum Of the number 3 right 3 is birth 4 sounds like death <gasps> So in China There may not be a 4th floor A 14th floor A 24th floor A 34th floor And there's nothing in the 40s
0: And no 13
3: And no 13 13 also an unlucky number Thank you Tom this sounds like a Twilight Zone episode <laughs> where you get off on the
2: 40th floor well, and mean, you have all these experiences and you come down and the person at the front says, uh, there is no 40th floor.
0: Now, according. Do, do, do. So we talked a little bit a second ago where we said something about the minutiae of this show and uh, the, the comments. On this Electric article, if you guys read those, are the reason people do not care how long we talk about this show at all, right? So I open up the comments and there are literally people like, what's the keyboard command for that logo? I can't possibly – how would I type it if I couldn't have that logo? There are people giving the keyboard command. And then somebody else chiming in with, well, that's not really the Chinese logo for three because in the Chinese – uh." Symbol for three, the top line's a little little longer, longer, and the middle line's a little little shorter, shorter, and then the bottom line's a little bit longer. So it's not exactly that symbol. And I learned all of that by reading
3: the comments on this electric article. That's why I think we should always keep plenty of Model 3 articles in Talking Tesla because probably half of our listeners, that's all they really care about.
2: Well, it turns out I got another one. Oh, good. Late again. This is from Seeking Alpha. And this is Paul Santos. who says, look, you got all these Tesla bulls out there right now because, uh, you know, they went to the Gigafactory and um, they came out of the Gigafactory meeting and they said – Like they drank some of the Kool-Aid while they were there? They did drink some of the Kool-Aid. And they came out and said, well, it looks like Tesla's really going to get this thing done. It looks like they're going to be able to start producing in volume in the second half of the year. This is all great. And this guy goes, hang on a second. Just everybody, calm down. Look, we know that uh, Tesla is pretty cash-strapped most of the time. That they would like to expend a lo- large amount of money, but they don't have that, and so they keep sort of taking their stock and they rolling it in uh, to the company. Then you have to understand that the Bolt and other cars from other big-time manufacturers are now coming out. So there's going to be some competition. I think you're already seeing it with the Bolt. People going, "This is actually a really good car." Maybe I'll buy one instead of waiting for the Model it's 3. It's not
0: sexy, though. It's not mm. sexy.
2: You also have this long lag between when you create your first cars and you really do a lot of testing. We saw this with the X. We saw it with the S. We saw it with the Bolt. And so he goes through all of these arguments, which I think are quite mm, commonsensical. Salient. And says, you are not going to see a Model 3 in volume. Till at least 2018 and maybe deep into 2018 and i've got to say despite how excited i've gotten after all these guys coming out of the gigafactory kool-aid event saying they're on track this is going to happen i think he's right uh, 2018 at the minimum before average joe sees a whiff of the the model 3 and the fact that we haven't seen any prototypes on the road
3: is concerning we should start to see them where are they we should be seeing them what was the timing between that video of the Model Three coming out and this article? Was there any like cause and effect?
2: I don't I don't think
0: so. What do you think, Tom? I think it makes me very, very sad. <laughs>
3: because
2: you're waiting for model three.
0: <laughs> I think he's probably right. Unless Elon is going to just do this very, very differently and roll the dice. So, the re, so one of the biggest points that he brings up is that what companies do is they put the production line together, they build a hundred or two hundred of them, they start driving them around, and they, you know, after 10,000 miles, are things still holding together? Are these clips right? Is this, uh, is, is the way that we thought this would work working? Instead of building 100,000 of them and then being like, oh, shit, the way we built these is not working Mm -hmm. and having to go back and fix them. So do you think Elon's learned enough on the Model S and the X to sort of compress that time frame? Because if you believe that he's built a different car company, and I'm using air quotes there, a different kind of company, then maybe he can compress that time I still think we're probably even, let's say, best case scenario, he's able to compress that to six months. Uh, Tick tock. <laughs> tickety We're happening. If, if we're going to get cars delivered by mid-2017, we should start seeing the black, broad, covered uh, Teslas, unless he built an underground test track mm. with his boring machine. It could That could happen. I
2: think you're exactly right, Tom. They... This should be better. They have learned a lot, but it's a different model. It's a different style. It's made out of different things. So I'm, I'm concerned. My father-in-law, for example, was gonna. he was like, oh, I'm going to get a Bolt. Then he sat and he's like, I really like it, but yeah, the interior is not that interesting. Maybe I'll just wait for Model 3. Mel, when's Model 3 coming out? And a week or two ago, I would have said, well, I think it's going to be here this year. And now I read this, I'm like, I don't think you're going to see it for another year.
0: And the other key element to this car that we haven't discussed we talked about fit and finish and and steel that we haven't discussed today is it's a whole brand new battery formulation a whole brand new battery configuration so those are things that they probably would want to have a lot of real world miles on more so than just those three prototypes that they hand built
3: those aren't even using the 700 cells because no. they've only just this quarter started making the 21700 cells though they Arguably, could drop them
0: out and they could have put a new battery pack in, right? If they made it modular
3: like the S, they're probably not going to screw with those alpha versions of the Model 3. I, I agree, they need to put out the beta models of the Model 3 with the new trunk hatch, which might be what we looked at in that video, but they need to get them out there. They need to, st- and, and basically, we need to start watching much, much more closely for a Model 3 mule or mules that are out there being driven around Palo Alto. I you mean, couldn't, have more people looking. <laughs> yeah, every Tesla owner in the
2: world Great. looking. Every time I see a new Tesla go by, I'm like, Mike, get the camera, look at that, it's a Model Three. No, it's not. It's just another colour in the Model <laughs> S. And I do it every, every. The world is watching. That's why I'm a bit concerned. We just haven't seen any none. reports. Tesla, electric. Nobody. Where are the reports? Zero. None. It's uh, coming up to February here, kids. Six months from now is past the middle of the year. I'm worried. I'm concerned. But they have to get it right. So I'd rather them be delayed and have a car that doesn't fill up the service centers because the freaking doors don't work or the windows don't open or whatever the problems we've had in all the other cars. Put down the Hyperloop
0: and build the Model 3. Put down everything. Put it all down. All of them. Just put it down. Build the Model 3. Let's let let's do this. Stop firing your stupid rockets.
2: Yeah. Stop building your stupid Xs in the Falcon Wing doors. Yeah. Stop building your S's tail with it. Yeah. Stop everything. All that. Just build Model 3s and test the hell of them. That's a great idea,
3: (laughs) too. I'm sure Elon's got a list of what are the top priorities. SpaceX success in reusing the rockets is probably number one, Mm -hmm. and Model 3 is probably number two.
0: Well, I have a question now that just came up because you mentioned the assembly line, stop building the Model Ss. Can they build Model 3s on the current line, or are they waiting – Or are they building a line specifically for the Model 3s? Like, could they build the first hundred prototypes, for instance, on the current SX line?
3: I don't think so. I think that takes a lot of really big changes, like the tolerances, the movement, where the robots reach, how far they reach, what materials are being hauled around. That's a huge change. But isn't that just programming? Isn't that just like, I mean, the robots... Not if you need to move the robot to get two inches... Towards the center line of the car to do something that you weren't doing on the S and the X, hmm. and um, it's probably the
2: stupidest thing we've ever talked about. Although it's hard because, it's, um, <laughs> really, you're going to really? stop production of the cars that fund the entire business. No. Not stop, no. but just drop no. one in.
0: No, so drop a three in every now and then. Just drop a three in there. Well, because they have to have an entire production line up and running, and that would have had to have probably been done and tested months ago. Have we heard? Any news about that? Let,
3: let's go back in time.
2: Doo-doo-doo, doo-doo-doo, doo-doo-doo. Thank you, Tom.
3: A year and a half ago, the three of us sat at the TMC Connect meeting in San Jose, and I got a tour of the factory. I don't know if you guys, yes, we yes. were all on we the were tour there. together. We were there. Yeah, we all sat. That's where
0: we met, Robert. That's where I met you, Robert. That is
3: where you met me. I, I met Mel a little before that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I remember on that tour, us being told that yes, here is the established S and X line. We saw it, it was kind of pushed in the back right corner of the factory. And they were building out the new line, which was going down towards the like unused portion of the factory, and that was going to be able to build all three cars. That's what I remember hearing. And I wonder in the last 18 months if a talking Tesla listener has been to the factory recently and heard any updates as to what's going on. But my understanding was that second, much larger, much more robust line that had something like three times more um, robots on it was going to be able to build all the cars and do it sequentially. In other words, you could build two X's, an S, fifteen threes. Another S, another X, but yes. that just answers the question that you just gave
0: me right if if they can build a line that can build all three, yeah. then clearly the my guess would be that the current line could build all three as well because there there shouldn't be massive changes there, right I disagree okay, so uh
2: Jess and Dave uh <laughs> I disagree who have been on the show? They were recently did their factory tour. Not a word was said about the Model 3 or its Mm -hmm. production zero. That's what I found interesting because I remember that very well. Mm -hmm. They said we're going to have a line and you can have S's and X's. I don't remember if they said they'd also have 3's coming off the same line, but they definitely said S's and X's, which are very different cars. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know whether they'll be able to do them all on the one line. That's kind of cool. They're just robots.
0: You should be able to just like this make a 3 and it's going to move over and do that. I don't know. Don't make cars for a living, Tom. I don't. So now – I think the three of us have just decided that there's no way in hell they're getting a the car out by the end of 2017.
3: No, I didn't say that.
0: I am. In in high volumes. They're going to have a few.
3: I so how many
0: it. cars can they – okay, here we go.
2: Go.
3: Here's oh, a question. This question. Be, is this going to be a Twitter poll it could or are we be. just going to do a pool within our we own could do a pool and a. Here.
0: We could do a pool and then a poll. Okay. <laughs> we pool do a pool and a poll. How many cars yes. do they get out by – December 31st August of 2017 And how many total by the end of the year? Okay, by
2: the end of August they will have 1,000 cars By the end of the year they will have 12,872
0: cars So you're talking about 1,000 cars (laughs) delivered to customers? Yes By the end of August Actually, I don't think they're going to have any delivered by the end of August, frankly. I think it's November
2: by the time they start, and by the end of the year, maybe 10000 Maybe. Best case scenario. Let me ask Google. Hey, Google, (laughs) how many Model 3s will ship by the end
3: of the year?
5: Sorry, I'm not sure how to help with that.
3: Yeah, nobody can. Nobody can help. I say that by August 31st, they've delivered six cars. Just like they did with the X.
0: Six Founders cars?
3: Something like that. In, Autographed by Elon. In a big show. Everybody right? will be so abuzz over the autograph with a Sharpie on the dash that they'll be completely distracted from the fact that no other cars are coming out. And by the end of the year, I, I expect as many as 15,000.
0: I say 50 cars by December total. We haven't seen By December. Any. We haven't 50. seen... Any Let's put mules. Put
2: our money where our mouth is. I have $2 I in
0: my pocket. I can see that.
3: I will see you $2.
0: $2 in my pocket.
3: Yeah, I'm going in my pocket. So you're saying by August 31st, zero?
0: Zero. Card. zero. No, I'm saying total no, no, by I'm December 50. By August, One. zero.
3: $2 on the table. Okay. I'm in there August. it is.
0: Here we go. I don't have $2. I'll put down Especially since. three. Got it. Especially since we haven't seen. Any beta cars? None. And we're like five unless, months away from August.
3: Unless the video is a beta car, right? Because it's got this different trunk business. I don't What's know.
0: concerning to me
2: is how excited I was, about the fact that uh, we were going to see so many Model Threes this year a week ago, and with one article, f you, Paul Santos, f you. With one article, my whole life has been destroyed. It makes me happy on the one hand because I got an ass. I'm like, ha,
3: ha, ha, ha. I get to drive this for a long year before great. the three comes around. Can Selfish. I just say that? From seeking alpha, I get a lot of uh, articles sent to me, and I can't say that many of them are positive as far as the the, the prospects of Tesla think, and Tesla Energy. You think and,
0: maybe Paul Santos went short?
3: I'm, I'm sure a put lot this of are short, and they're you know at 250 plus per share are kind of like in their pants.
2: Let's go and talk about autopilot, and this is from Electric. Electric says this: the you know, uh, there's this uh, Autopilot uh, 2.0 hardware, right? And uh, Elon said, you know, a couple of them, they, uh, they, they don't rendering really well. And I thought I was the only person in the world. I thought he was speaking directly to me, Thomas, because I have Autopilot 2.0 and uh, my uh, rendering is terrible. The lines are all over the place. The car is in front of you, then it disappears. And they say, look, it's functioning okay. It's just rendering weird. And then we got this video that I saw on electric and, and it shows the exact same problem that I have. This car is flopping all over the place. The rendering, it made me feel good. They're saying that the pitch angle of the camera is the issue. That they might be able to fix this with an over-the-air update for a lot of people. But if you can't, you're going to have to go in there and um, have that camera tweaked. And I've just got to say, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hurry up because I really want to be autopiloting around even though it's restricted to 45 miles an hour. Here in L.A., there's plenty of 45-mile-an-hour traffic on the freeway that I could use it. (laughs) But I'm afraid I don't want to die. Don't use it if your rendering is bad. Mel Hubbard said this
0: out. Okay, good. The highlight of this article, in my opinion, is the Dancing Cat shack video. It's genius.
2: There is indeed a shack. It's like a gif or something. Wobbling, giving, and a cat back at each other. (laughs) You have to see it to believe it. It's very funny. So uh, let's continue on about autopilot, and let's go to Forbes.com, which was reporting on an Elon tweet that I think you all saw, and I wet myself. I was literally standing there, and this tweet came into my phone, and Elon says, full autonomy in three, maybe six months. Now, he doesn't define exactly what – full autonomy means here but forbes also notes that ford and carnegie Mellon have said that there is a lot to work out before we get to full autonomy but elon is saying three months to six months before they'd be able to roll out full autonomy hello probably Does that level not make four you?
0: autonomy right so
2: it'll drive you 99 percent of the time but every now and then in edge cases you'll have to go uh, double
3: lines car parked i've got to drive around it like we saw on the bolt yeah, but, three to six months? Are you kidding me? But listening to Elon, and he's very specific about what he defines autopilot and full autonomy. Autopilot being like what a pilot in an airplane uses. He has to be, or she, have to be attentive, be able to deal with alarms, can't be sleeping, drunk, out in the, in the bathroom with a stewardess. And so they have to be, like, focused. But full autonomy means full autonomy. It that is means, correct. It means like playing chess with your child in the back seat, facing backwards. I'm 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 kind of speechless on this. Could this be true well, they don't mean
2: they've shown us the video? Um it was a video, so it could be edited, and we don't know exactly the circumstances. They show the car driving itself, they show the car parking itself, they show the car driving around San Jose. Three to six months, Tom. Mine, I'm afraid to use it. At 40 miles an hour on a freeway with well-littered lines. And they're saying, oh, don't worry, Mel. We'll fix that. And in three months, you're going to have full autonomy. I'm thinking he might be you know, overselling.
0: Yours yours won't be ready.
2: (laughs) Apparently. Yours won't be ready. Everybody will be driving around with full autonomy and I'll still have nothing.
0: But it doesn't mean they're going to be allowed to use it. That's the other aspect of this, right? So he's not saying anything in regards to the regulatory approval to implement this. He's just saying, hey – We got it. We nailed it. Full autonomy is ready to go. Uh, Anybody want to turn it on? I mean, this could be one of the reasons why he wanted to come so close to the president, right? And be part of that advisory council because he could be like, hey, hey, Donald, this thing is ready to go. Do you think you could talk to your buddies over there at the
3: (laughs) and get it turned on? Or basically don't cut funding to that department that's going to regulate and promulgate the – The details of autopilot and cars that drive without human interaction. Well, let me pull this out of my buttocks. Oh, please don't. Yeah. (laughs) Smartest Mel. Here we go.
2: If they really did this and it was perfectly safe and it was 90% safer and they could do it in three to six months, what does that do to Tesla um, in terms of sales? They could, if they're way ahead of Ford, way ahead of everybody else, and they can implement it, do they sell a trillion of these next year? They can sell an infinite amount, I would think. If this is really working, then they're like, uh, Ford, could we take over a couple of your plants? Because I need to make three million of these because now we have a thousand trillion million people who want to buy this. Well, tomorrow. that last
0: part with the F- Ford, can we take over your factory? That's not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen. That's the other thing about it is right? They, they don't really have the ability to speedily iterate another line unless they can get both lines in Fremont building model threes in a lot of levels right so they they can't they can't do that and they'll get what they'll end up getting if they can actually deliver on that is probably a lot of companies like Lyft and Uber are going to be like we will take whatever you have and that could cause some problems although you know they're going to not care about all of the features they're going to take all of the we'll take all the $35,000 ones you can muster. The only feature we want is as much range as possible. Yes, Robert?
3: Yeah, this is big. This is big. I think Elon once said, and I don't think it was that long ago, that there will be an unlimited demand for Model 3 and Teslas going forward. And I believe that. And when I read this kind of material, that's what I believe. And the question is, what, how, where are we with the factory in China? How close are we to making Uh, teslas in china to supply the number one car market right which is china going forward and where are we with france or in europe having a gigafactory over there and so this is huge and i guess you know in a year from now if this really works we'll be standing here saying things like god what an idiot i didn't buy tesla stock at 250 it's now 650 it is the big gamble,
2: um, and I can see it going both ways. I see Elon walking a razor's edge here, right. and uh, he could it could collapse. They could run out of money. Um, they could have some problems with production. Other people could have a really great electric car, and the stock price and the thing tank. And I could see it going the other way. If they pull this off, and the Model 3 is as good as we think, and it doesn't have to get service very often, they could have an unlimited demand. They can't do unlimited supply because they need more gigafactories. So I could see it going both ways, you know. Tesla dead in a year or Tesla
3: one of the biggest companies in the world in a few years? And how is this different from anything Elon has done from 2002 forward? Tom, you look like you're going to explode. Which way
2: is it going, son? Are you going to be a trillionaire from the Tesla stock I don't think or that
0: it's going to – my thought process was I don't think there's any risk of them not getting enough cash because I think it's exciting enough that – there's enough people with a lot of cash out there that the equity markets will be able to give him more, more money. I don't think that's the issue. It's a question of like, how much dilution of the company is he willing to sort of accept on some level to sort of fulfill his dream? If it does come to that, like, would he really be willing to take a $50 billion cash infusion from like a Warren Buffett? If Warren Buffett's like, We'll do this, but I'm going to need half of your board out of there and I'm going to come in not, and manage not gonna it. Not going to happen.
3: Not going to happen. He will not give it up. Unless. unless Would he watch it die? No. Well, I don't know that, but I know he's had so many experiences that I've read about where he lost control, was pushed out, and saw his dream and his vision go down. And all he needs to do is what he did with Solar City or with the Reeves with Solar City before Solar City got sucked up into Tesla, it's just sell bonds. Why can't they just sell bonds? And they've done that. They've raised yeah. hundreds of millions of dollars by selling bonds yeah. and they pay a good a good return yeah. and they get a ton of money and they don't have to give up any control.
0: Yeah, I don't see that happening. I definitely do see them not I don't see the equity markets drying up for Tesla anytime soon, especially with all of this excitement that they have building, but I do definitely see them having issues with iteration, so it'll be, you know, that I guess the worst problem they could ever have is this massive demand for their cars and the inability to sort of meet that demand, right? That's a that's like a worst-case scenario that on is some the, level. That's the Apple
2: scenario, right? You come out with a brand-new, incredible device. You cannot build them fast enough, which just by the nature of it builds up more demand, and you can't build enough. So uh, I wish Apple would invest some cash with them.
0: But he may not want that. That's what I'm saying. Like- if,
2: if If cash without – Interference Cash he without control. Yes. So let's talk about superchargers Inside EVs um, Borland uh, Bjorn Bjorn. <laughs> Why do I say it Bjorn I don't know. Bjorn Nylon um, Took his uh, Model X And he had a Chattamo adapter And he attached it to his Model X And he said you're supposed to get 100 kilowatts out of this thing But I only got 50 so I think there's a dumbing down here And then when I looked at him like there are so many variables here I realised um, I'm not sure this is of any value
3: at all Can I ask, what what season is it up there in the old way that is north? It's in winter. It is winter. And, like, what's the average temperature right now in the way that Uh, is north? Zero.
0: So a guy... If if this is correct, there was a comment in this article from a guy who sort of explained that this is sort of its max end anyways, right? If you look at this last thing, right, the limit, quite simply, is the 125-amp limit provided by Tesla that is placarded. So I guess... There's a hundred and twenty-five amp limit. Either the the Tesla limits that if it's not a supercharger, right? If it's not a Chatemo, and that's about three hundred and eighty volts for the big battery Tesla cars, and three hundred and thirty-five volts for the small battery cars. Multiply that by the maximum hundred and twenty-five amp, and they're at the that is the max. The forty-eight kilowatt is the max on a Chatemo for the big battery. Again, according to a commenter in this article, the math makes sense. But I'm no mathematician.
2: That's for sure. Um, let's keep talking about superchargers. Because Gas 2.0 was talking about BMW and Nissan having teamed up to double the EVgo network. There's a m- multiple different networks here in the United States. But they say they want to put 90% of owners near this fast charging network, which is a combination of some Chattermos and some CCS and uh, fast DC charging and some fast AC charging. Currently, they only have 67 fast charging. DC charging station So to say you're doubling it Is like, okay, that's cool right. 120-ish But it's still insufficient So I ask the question If somebody really like BMW and Nissan Builds out their fast charging network Even if it can't be as fast as a Tesla supercharger At what point will Tesla say You can use ours if we can use yours Never Because, well, Tesla is part of the CCS
0: standard kind of thing But Teslas, you can already use any charger, right? You don't need permission The only permission that you would need would be to use other cars on the Tesla network, and what is the benefit to them opening that network up, honestly?
2: Well, I guess if somebody really built out a fast DC charging network, which was closed, and they could do a deal. I will use yours if you use mine.
0: But you would never do that, right? The economics of the other person who's building the fast DC charging network, they would never close it to Teslas because it just wouldn't make sense. You're you're killing – 20% 20% of your market, potentially, 200,000 vehicles now and maybe 600,000 moving forward, they would never do that it because it... It's an economy thing They're they're opening a business I'm putting this charger in I want people to use it I'm charging right. them 30 bucks for 15 bucks for 30 minutes Or whatever the, the amount is They would never close it to charger So it's really just a one-way question In my opinion And mm-hmm.
2: I hate these other networks, frankly um, There are so paint, many different very, Well, I shouldn't say that I find them very difficult to use There's a lot of different ones Some you have to pay Some you don't Some you have to have a card Some you have to call an 800 number And with the supercharging network I just go and I plug in and I'm done
0: Sometimes you can just pay point them
2: I love the ones That are like at Costco you That have Apple blip. pages Like bing right. But most of them are Maybe it's getting more simple But in the past It was like I have to call a 1-800 number To talk to a person And give them my credit I'm like this is, I just want superchargers Everywhere And to, uh, Robin New supercharger update Give us this week In well, supercharging I'm
3: just pulling up My PlugShare app And I just want to Give a plug To PlugShare PlugShare is good I own no stock In PlugShare But they're cool dudes and dudettes. and they have an app. You can just if you're going somewhere or you're you're parking, you're like, oh, I wonder if there's a charger here. This happened to me in Pasadena. I just pulled up PlugShare and went, oh look, not this uh, parking structure, but the one a block down has chargers. So I kind of pulled over, I went in, I plugged in. Oh, actually, I didn't because they were all being used. But you can look on the super on the PlugShare app and find out if you need to pay or not pay. It's actually quite a bit easier than all that. Okay. I I was going to say by this last uh, article it just tells me that maybe buying the Tesla Chatmo adapter is not something that I need in my shed of charger devices.
0: It's expensive and 450 bucks
2: for that thing.
3: Yeah, do to know, be over 1000.
0: Re- the CCS charger won't fit in there although I wonder no. if the adapter to the Tesla would fit on the top end of that. Have we seen a CCS
2: no. to Tesla adapter yet?
0: No. No, but the top part is just a J1772, so couldn't you just clip your thing to that and it'll probably get DC blocked by the little gas thing, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, we need an adapter, adapter. An adapter. Because the problem adapter. is that the problem is that the J1772 is not DC, right? It's an AC charging device. Mm-hmm. And so the the communications and all the other business is different. So it is not a true adapter.
0: But if you just use the top half of the CCS,
3: so in other words, you're not going to get the fast charge. Right. Correct. Yeah, yeah, but that would kind of bum out anybody who wants a fast. CCS I mean, I just don't charge. even know
0: if it would work at all. You know what I'm saying?
3: I think it's supposed to, but supercharger update. This was a slower week for superchargers. Wah, we've got, wah, wah, wah. we've got uh, only two new superchargers that have opened, and one that went into permit. One is in Merritt, British Columbia, opened up on Friday the 27th. Woohoo, British Columbia, beautiful. Ooh
0: british columbia
3: it is beautiful and before that on tuesday last week just after our last episode Mm. was recorded but of course you probably were listening to it Mm. on wednesday so Mm -hmm. we're kind of messed up on the timing here taipei taiwan taipei where the model 3 is still a stylized three (laughs) and it's a very lucky number and i wonder how much uh, tesla Sales of Model 3 have been boosted in places like Taiwan because it is a lucky number. It is the birth car. And so one more permit was uh, pulled in Austin, Texas. uh, And we had a writer, uh, a listener from Texas who was complaining there were not enough superchargers in Texas. So, boom, there you go. So let's do some renewables. First of all, why do we deny uh, climate change and
2: other big issues like that? And I got an article here from L.A. Times by David Horsey. And he says, uh, it's easy to understand the climate deniers in the White House. It's very simple. Just follow the cash because they are part of Exxon and these groups. And even though their own scientists have said, you know, this is a big deal, it's a big deal down the line. The short-term profits by digging uh, up fossils and burning them is enormous. And so you rationalize short-term profit for longer-term disaster. It's just the way humans are, and we always have been that way. But why do individuals do it? Well, as individuals, the Joe and Jane of the worlds simply can't fathom the fact that we are destroying an entire planet. It's just too much for us to deal with. And so we sort of deny it. It can't possibly be true. It's kind of like really understanding your own mortality. If you really sit and you sit on it and you think about your own mortality, people tend to get depressed. So you have to get on with your life and do other things. And so it's easy to understand why we do do this. In fact, uh, there's been a couple of uh, fairly famous uh, religious um, leaders who have been asked – Is climate change real? And their arguments are sort of the same. I can't possibly believe that we are destroying this planet because God gave us this planet. How would he let us destroy it? That kind of logic, it's too big a deal. It can't possibly be true. So there's a lot of reasons that we deny. But the article ends with, but it's time to stop it. It's basic science. And if you don't follow basic science, you go into the Middle Ages. And if we don't fix this, we're headed straight back to the worst periods
3: of the Middle Ages.
2: And then there was some good news.
3: Yeah. You've got good news about Hyperloop. Yeah, I was talking to one of the Hyperloop teams. I believe it was the Delft University. They had this really cool VR headset that I got to put on, and it showed me all kinds of details of their design. They definitely put a lot of work into it. And one of the details that was in this VR demonstration showed that Hyperloop is much more efficient because you have a low, uh, you have a, a tube going through a vacuum close to Earth, and it's not like an airplane that has to fly up to thirty-six, forty-two thousand feet to get into a low uh, vacuum-type atmosphere to move a long distance, and then it has to come back down. How much energy do you think uh, it takes to move a mile in a hyperloop versus moving in an airplane? I think it's probably... uh one five hundred and fiftieth. Yeah
2: Just
0: Something, off the top something of my in that head. ballpark, probably like one and <laughs> one like a hundred and like five hundred and fiftieth less.
3: And we didn't even have to ask Alexa. No. That's no. amazing. She know. You guys are she fantastic. How how much more that's amazing efficiency, yeah. don't you think?
0: Is that the right number?
3: That is absolutely the right oh, number. Good team. job, Mel. You're excellent. Well, Thank you. Done. Wow, just really that one. Yeah, good. So that means 550 people could move in a hyperloop from L.A. to San Francisco for the same energy it took to put one person from L.A. to San Francisco in an airplane.
2: That's impressive when you say it that way.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it was impressive the other way, Mel. Did you not really understand the mathematics?
2: No, no I was not understanding the math in any way <laughs> it's until just, said that.
0: It's a fraction where
3: it's a fraction less. Like, it's a, it's a big fraction less. And if you were to move a kilogram of freight from Los Angeles mm-hmm. to San Francisco.
0: Which I'm going to do. A kilogram of freight. Freight.
3: Freight. <laughs> kilo. How much energy does it take to move that kilogram of freight from Los Angeles to San Francisco on a train, standard train, versus moving it through a hyperloop. Tom, you got this one. You've it's
0: this probably a little less efficient, probably maybe like a hundred two hundred
3: and seventy five, one two hundred and seventy fifth. Excellent on wow, wow. Brilliant. That was it. So, I got it. So you can move sweet. Two hundred and seventy five kilograms from LA to San Francisco with the same energy as it would take to move one kilogram on a freight train. These are amazing numbers because freight trains
2: themselves are incredibly efficient compared to trucks. Yeah, true. And individuals driving that
3: kilo, your kilo, <laughs> my kilo. I'm trying to be friendly to our non-American listeners who actually use a a yeah. useful system, the metric system. What, so, why is it when you're running drugs, you're always running kilos of drugs and not pounds? I'm just saying because, because come they from come
2: from Colombia,
0: uh, from metric countries, bro. Okay. I guess you got news for you if if it comes from any country other than this. It came from a metric country. Right, We're basically the last man standing when it comes to that.
3: I guess that's why marijuana coming from Hawaii comes in pounds. Is that right? I wouldn't. I mean, (laughs) maybe. Theoretically, it could be. The drug dealers are much more sophisticated than the rest of us. Although, I'll be
0: honest with you. I don't think any marijuana comes from Hawaii anymore. It gets smoked. It's all smoked over there. Yeah, Yeah. it just stays there because uh, anecdotally, from what I understand, <laughs> From what I've heard. You, can't, you can't get the the medical Hawaiian marijuana in, in the state of California. It's all hybrids. True. It's all hybrids.
2: So I always thought that this the hype about Hyperloop was the, simply the speed of transportation. But you're telling me it's not just speed. It is spectacularly efficient and therefore bigger than Ben-Hur's bottom.
0: Well, but that's where the, the economy came in, right? That's why it's so much cheaper because you need so much less energy, right? What are the big costs in – in travel, right? It's the, the long-term costs are the energy, the cost of the fuel, right? If you could get rid of the cost of fuel from airline travel, it would be dramatically cheaper.
3: Right, and think about how much carbon is pumped into the atmosphere. Yeah. And ton. so that's
2: why you shove up these solar cells on top of your Hyperloop. You're basically traveling for free. The cost over t- amortized over time is going to be – All they have is to this- do is- – Here's the question. Yeah. Elon's been talking about digging tunnels mm-hmm. through LA to fix mm-hmm. the traffic. Is this the tunnel he's talking about, Tom? Robert, the tunnel that you hung out with, is this the actual tunnel and he was just sort of playing with our brains and we thought he was digging under the ground?
0: It could be. We we talked, you know, when we originally brought up Hyperloop when it was announced, right, it, it was this, this thing above ground, right? It was going to run in the same sort of track as the high-speed train in California. That was really the only context in which we kind of spoke about it. It would be, you'd build it on these stanchion. it'd be this large tube that was above ground, I don't think you could bore Me seven, anymore. Seven oh, or, <laughs> Wow 700 miles like across from California to San Francisco that would probably be prohibitively expensive but imagine this Hyperloop San Fernando Valley station to Hyperloop downtown LA station or Hyperloop West Side Station is Robert saying no and I know why it's because it's going too fast. To slow down. It's too short of a time. Yeah, no? you can't
3: get up to speed. The, the Hyperloop has like this sweet spot of distance, and it's hundreds of miles.
0: Right, but even what if you could just get across town 100 miles an hour, 200 miles an hour with no traffic, right? You don't need the 700 miles an hour to get to downtown L.A. If you had 150 miles to downtown L.A., which is about 19 miles as the crow flies, right. you'd get there pretty darn quick. Are you talking about a subway? Yes, but a subway that's faster. Mm, Subways aren't super fast right but They have to
3: stop, and then you've got a yeah, whole system Yeah, I mean, I'm there. saying
0: there's issues. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. All right,
2: so Hyperloop fast, Hyperloop energy efficient, Hyperloop a hyperget
0: it, it. Hyperloop uh, non-existent yet.
3: My thought is that Elon is experimenting at this point with this tunnel business. He's got permission to dig a tunnel for a distance. I don't know if this tunnel goes all the way somewhere? Does it go just under Hawthorne, just under the Hawthorne airport? Does it just get them from their parking region onto the 110 or the 405 freeway? My expectation is it's probably something like that because that's what I heard on the road or on the street, the rocket road. That's kind of what I heard there around the SpaceX. But my expectation is that they're doing this to get the systems down so that, yes, they can put the Hyperloop through mountains, through places where they need to get into the ground because the hyperloop has to be pretty flat and it has to have very gradual turns. Because when you're doing 760 miles an hour in a tube that's in a vacuum, you don't want the thing banging against the sides. You want it to go straight without a lot of, uh, uh, I don't know, lateral forces, all right, let me uh, finish off here because
2: I actually have a meeting in fifteen minutes. I've got to get to. I'm mm. Sorry. So let's talk about uh, one dollar per watt solar. So this is from Cre- Green Tech Media. Uh, the Department of Energy wanted to get um, solar power down to one dollar per watt by twenty twenty, and guess what? They've already done it three years early. Nice. In two thousand and eleven, when they set that goal, it was four dollars. We're seeing again this continuing plummeting of this. Partially, this was because of research and Department of Energy grants. And part of it was, of course, because the Chinese dumped a whole bunch of cash and cheap uh, solar into the marketplace,
3: but solar is cheap and getting cheaper. Which the Chinese have not stopped doing, in fact, have continued their commitment and have said they're going forward with more commitment. And my question is, if we've achieved this four-factor of improvement in just this short amount of time, right, six years or less, what will happen by 2020, How cheap will solar be in 2020 and how much will that change the landscape of everything about like the utilities? How many power plants are going offline because it just costs more money to run them, let alone build them and run them and fuel them?
2: It's all about storage, I was going to say, because I think if this continues, then solar is so, so inexpensive that it kills everything. But it's, you've got to think about the whole package. How much is that storage for when the sun's not out at my house? That's got to come down dramatically. It is, but dramatically.
0: Right. This, doesn't, this is only about the cost of the production of solar, right. not about the storage. And my guess is that we're going to see the same exponential reductions in those costs as well. But, you know, we're starting out there. So it's, we're, at the, we're at the nascent stage, as it were, with that.
3: And this is another reason why Elon's at the table. He wants to make sure that all of these things stay on track and that the administration understands that these are U.S. jobs, that this U.S. technology can be sold and licensed to foreigners or foreign countries. This makes America first.
0: Well, I don't know. That opens like a whole can of worms.
3: Pat from Oregon asked the question, you know,
2: uh, you know, talked about this Arcadia solar thing. And uh, he wants to know if my solar panels get broken in an earthquake or something like that, will Arcadia replace them? I don't know the answer to that. I've asked them, waiting to hear back. Because we had another question last week, which was about if I move all the time and I don't want to get this solar taken off my utility bill, can they just send me the cash? I will let you know when they get back to me.
3: Like I, you know, I, I put in a little note here. We all know who the biggest problem is for a rooftop solar. It's Mel. It's Mel Thank and you. his stray golf balls yeah. banging into panels and cracking them and ruining them. And when I had solar put on my roof, that was a exclu- uh, an explicit uh, uh, bolded area in the contract that said, if you live near a golf course, we are not going to replace your panels if they get busted by uh, golf balls that fly.
0: And for the record, Tesla Nation, Mel's an excellent driver of the golf ball. He's never hit a roof I, however, Uh-oh. have hit several.
3: Oh, okay. Well,
2: that hey, makes one of us. Um, We've got a letter here from Daniel Bloomfield, which I thought I'd just throw in really quickly. And he just reminds us that it is always better to reduce the amount of energy than produce more energy. And that's very true. And in terms of producing energy, you know, we're in divided times, you know, uh, right, left, left. Uh, alt-right, a uh, very divided America. But it turns out that uh, we've got an article here that says that Republicans and Democrats come together on one thing, and that is the installation of solar panels. If you look at how many Republicans versus how many Democrats put solar panels on their roof, it's almost identical, maybe for different reasons. Like 50-50? But identical, 50-50. Half That's the awesome. people putting them on are Republicans, half are Democrats. I put uh, solar panels on my house at a time when I didn't really care about my return, I just cared about – I want to make clean energy. My family, many Republicans, now they're at the point like, yeah, I'll put solar panels on if it's about the same price because I'd like to be clean. So it's getting to that point where it doesn't matter your reasons for doing it. You can do it because you want to be green. You can do it
3: because you want to save money. You can do it for both reasons. It's personal responsibility, which is a hallmark of the Republican nation. And I think the power wall feeds right into that. How would you like to be independent, not – Dependent on a publicly funded utility company. Yeah. yeah.
0: I'll say it again. The democratization yeah. of energy it's is serious. what this is. It's,
2: it's American.
3: It's all American.
2: It's amazing how just that Powerwall 2, which is 17 kilowatt hours, power Powerwall 1, 7 kilowatt hours, I think it's really, cha- and at not much more price, has really started to change my thinking. The first Powerwall, like, this makes no sense. The second one, like, actually, this is starting to get okay. S- third, fourth generation, how far? Five years from now, it might be
3: slam dunk. I've got a 100-kilowatt power station of my own out the back there that doesn't cost that much money. When they put 21,700 cells in the power wall, how big will it be then? If it could be maybe 20% more capacity or 30% more capacity?
0: But it's about output as well, right? Sure. Did they double the out- – did they change the output on that thing as well?
2: Yeah, I think the out- the uh, peak output was also significantly high. I'm just saying it's not, it's still not quite there for me yet, but it's getting close that I'm going to be my own little energy maker. Shout out to
3: Tesla Nation. Do you have a t- power wall? Yeah, does anybody listening have a power wall? Tell us your experience.
0: Also, Take- one thing that we don't get yeah. are sales numbers for the Powerwall. right? We've never done a story on like how many power walls they've actually sold. We should look into that. I
3: think it was three. Three? Well, at the last, <laughs> like a look. at the at the Tesla Club meeting in January, just last Monday, there was a organization called Solar Optimum, and they had like five salespeople there, and they were pitching to the group because they, I think they might have paid for the pizza or something, uh, and they actually had a brochure on the power wall and made it sound all rosy and beautiful and wonderful, and you know, again, for me, uh, with net metering, it doesn't really make much sense for me, but. Uh, A lot of people were excited, and it looked like a number of people were going for it, and they said they've installed quite a few, so maybe we could ask them. Yeah.
2: Corey Bowling, we've got a couple of letters left, says... uh, he. Sends a couple of links to atmospheric water generators, which I've actually talked about a little bit about in the past. This idea that you put out a solar panel and you attach it to one of these magic devices and you can suck water directly out of the air. Yeah. And uh, these are pretty cool, particularly in places where there is uh, very poor access to water. Um, that does require a lot of energy. I'm going to get back on that because I do have somebody that I can talk to who is actually building these. Um, Tudor Costingan. Is that right? Costingan is another person telling us about the Renault... uh, The Zoe. The Zoe. Renault Zoe. Um, It's not available here in the US. That's why we never talk about it. But apparently it is a very popular electric car in the rest of uh, the country. Ferdinand... Oh, help me with this one. Niedermann. Ferdinand Niedermann. Says uh, we need to start thinking more and more about how much energy we use in our homes It's another one of those big pieces of the pie of all the energy that's used in the world There's this society trying to get down
0: to 2,000 watts per person And that's all included Office, your office office electricity, your car electricity, your transportation, the whole deal Holy moly, I checked it out for myself personally Yes, October through December Yes we used 7500 watts a day per person in my house on average so hmm. four times over and two of the persons in my house are they're tiny
3: so they should be using a lot
0: less. <laughs> they should be using a lot less. Although I guess they're not really that tiny anymore, but that's a big that's a big big number.
3: If they spend a lot of time on Facebook, that could be considerable amount of energy. I mean,
0: I'm not going to lie to you. We charge a lot of devices in my home. Yeah.
2: So the average US uh, household uses six times this two, magic 2000 watt. So, for example, in my house, like a lot of California houses, the insulation in this house is crap. Um, because the And, you know, it's pretty temperate here and we've had pretty low electricity. uh, It leaks like a sieve. To fix that requires a lot of energy um, and effort. And I wouldn't do that. And most people are not going to do it until my electric bill goes so high. I'm like, I've really got to do this for real.
3: Yeah. So does this include the uh, watt equivalence of your use of natural gas? Right. Because we use a lot of natural gas yeah, it in includes Southern everything. California. If
0: you go to the 2000 Watt Society Wikipedia page, they outline the whole deal. And so the average household is 12,000 watts. So I was pretty happy that I was only at 7,500 watts per person. Maybe we so should all do this and
3: come back next week with a number. I don't want to give you. My I already number gave you here. my number. It's I, I feel like I want to come back with a number, but I right. want Mel to come back with a number because I got two electric cars and I got computers on all the time. But it's you got solar. Like, yeah, I but I got I'd, solar coming out. So in when, buttons. but
0: the only way I could do this was look at my DWP bill and look at my usage, and the only usage I think that they're counting is the stuff that's not on my roof. The net. Okay. Um, that doesn't
3: include the natural gas, though.
0: Oh yeah, so I might be producing. Well, you mean yeah, like for my heater, right? And my and your water stove. heater
3: and your stove and your oven. That's,
2: Eugene Fang, yeah. Fang said, Google Home. You can do if this, then that. You know, that's a sort oh, of a website you can hook a lot of things that, up to yeah. do. So you can hook up your Google Home to do a lot of if th- then that. And I'd like to hook that stuff up, but I haven't done it yet. A couple of videos here. First from Craig Haver. In case you hadn't seen this, um, this is so good. That I'm going to play it at the end of uh, talking Tesla. It's about um, the Netherlands' response to Trump, in his own words, as it were. It is absolutely hysterical. Wait for I the end. I can't believe
3: a second person actually sent this in because I think another. Yeah, actually talking about Tesla. Listener four people, sent people now this in. sent this
2: in. It is genius. It's had about 15 million um, downloads. I also got one from uh, Brian uh, 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 Pierce. Who sends a really hysterical video about making fun of a Mercedes EV runoff? Actual. This had to have been a Side Night Live commercial. Yeah. It's
0: so funny.
2: It's so brilliantly shot. It has. Um, l- Julia Julia Lewis-Dreyfus. It is hysterical. And then we've got uh, Dedrick, who uh, is from the uh, Talking Tesla Black Caucus, who's now made up some (laughs) T-shirts in absolute violation of all copyright, and uh, you better send us a copy of those (laughs) T-shirts,
3: or we're suing you for everything you're worth. I'd like to distribute some of these T-shirts to some of the members that I've seen here in Los Angeles.
2: And then uh, what do we got here? Uh, Andre Rodriguez says... Now there is a Tesla store in Portugal. He's so excited. He's wedding himself. That's all I've got. That's all we have time for. I want to thank you both for coming. Hey, Google, thanks for coming. Sorry, I'm not sure how to help with that. Alexa, thanks for coming. Sorry,
4: I can't find the answer to the question I heard.
0: And Siri, we're not even going to bother.
2: <laughs> Why bother? Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I was talking Tesla 71. Now I leave you with... The Netherlands response to Trump. It is fantastic. It is wonderful. It is incredible. This video is basically, it looks like the John Stewart of the Netherlands is doing sort of a spiel. And uh, America First, they were doing videos about America First, America First, America First. And they just wanted to introduce Donald Trump to the Netherlands in a way that he would understand and with a small plea at the end. I can't pronounce who this is from, but the video is off YouTube. It's called The Netherlands Welcomes Trump in his own words. As you all are, we will talk to you next week. We're out! Ciao. Roll the audio tape. This is a message from the government of the Netherlands.
4: Dear Mr. President, welcome to this introduction video about the Netherlands. It's going to be a great video. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Our founding father was William of Orange, who fought against the Spanish. The Spanish, total scumbags. They fought against us for 80 years, but they couldn't beat us couldn't do it. Total losers. They're all dead now, by the way. We speak Dutch. It's the best language in Europe. We've got all the best words. All the other languages failed. Danish, total disaster. German is not even a real language. It's fake. It's a fake language. We've got Pony Park which has got to be the best pony park in the world. It's true. They're the best ponies. They are. You can ride them. You can date them. You can grab them by the pony. It's fantastic. This is the dike. It's a great, great wall that we built to protect us from all the water from Mexico. In fact, we built an entire ocean, okay? An entire ocean between us and Mexico. Nobody builds oceans better than we do. This ocean, it is so big, you can even see it from the moon. And we made the Mexicans pay for it. It's true. You've got the Trump Towers, we've got Lee Towers. We love to sing at your inauguration. Amazing voice. <laughs> We've got Maduro Dam, which is the greatest miniature town in the world. It's great. Well, it's tiny, but it's great. And the squares, they're so small, you don't even need many people to fill them. It's great.
3: <laughs> this
4: is Gerry Eickhoff. In December, we've got this scandalous tradition of Black Pete. It's the most offensive the most racist thing you've ever seen. You'll love it. It's great. We also have a disabled politician for you to make fun of. Her name is Jette Kleinsmann. She's from the Ministry of Silly Walks. You can do a great impersonation of her. Can't wait to see it. People tell us, very important people, they tell us we've got the best tax evasion system God ever created. It's just unbelievable. You should tell your sons to put all your, sorry, their businesses here. You'll pay no taxes at all. Zero. It's ridiculous. And last but not least, we've got a great, great, great dependency on the United States. It's huge. If you screw NATO... You're going to make our problems great again. They're going to be huge. They're going to be enormous. It's true. Please, don't. We totally understand. It's going to be America first. But can we just say the Netherlands second? Is that okay? (laughs) Thank you for watching and best wishes. We've got the best wishes in the Netherlands. They're great. It's true.
3: Talking Tesla is a
4: production of Fooly Incorporated, produced by Mel Herbert and C.C. Herbert, hosted by Mel Herbert, Tom Wolfson, and Robert Rosenblum. To support Talking Tesla,
5: go to patreon.com forward slash talking tesla. If you love the show, write us a review on iTunes.